Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hello and welcome to Breaking the Cycle Two Step Forward podcast, episode number 40, that's four zero. I'm here, I'm Beverly Ann, and as always, joining me today is... Hi everyone, it's Chris Tuck here. And today our subject is about exploring sex education, which Chris, after we uh, um, recorded our last episode about pornography and younger children a couple of articles have since been released and we thought it'd be a, a great time to look at these articles and explore sex education within the school within the home um, a little bit more deeper and have a look at the context and share some of our own thoughts and try to also look at it from an objective point of view and I think it's fair to say for anyone who's listening and you find it uncomfortable, please take some deep breaths because we're going to be very honest and share with you that this is a very difficult conversation. And at times it gets uncomfortable for myself and for Chris. Is that fair to say, Chris? hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> <Yes>. percent. <laughs> lots of deep breaths and a lots of, oh, do I think I want to share that? But, you know, we're trying to come at this from a place of authenticity and honesty and transparency. So sometimes what we share is even really uncomfortable for us, but we'll live with it and we'll get over it because we are just trying to open up the conversation for everybody. Absolutely. And where we're sharing from a level as well is we're sharing from an adult's perspective where we want to raise awareness for prevention and safety for other young people and vulnerable people going forward. We're also sharing to support those people that are looking to find their voice and looking to heal from abusive situations that they've been in, whether it be sexual, physical or emotional. We're also looking at it from a, a parental point of view where We've got children ourselves and the challenges that presents as well, because there's one thing we want to do is keep them safe, but we also don't want our own experiences to come in and harm them. And lastly, and most importantly, from ourselves as survivors ourselves. And yes, we share certain things to enable this conversation to be opened, but we also have to do it in a way that is respectful to ourselves as well. And I think that covers quite a multitude of layers, Chris, doesn't it, in this subject? 100% what you've just covered there. But, you know, we also want to compare or highlight um, the insight from what is natural and normal and what is been tarred from our perspective because of the sexual abuse that we have endured as children and how that can actually tar the actual normal and natural around this. And as we go through this podcast today, I think people will really get what we're, what we're trying to achieve with the normal, natural versus what sexual abuse does to that normal, natural, and also what 
um, pornography is doing to the normal and natural for children and young people today? Yes. And as we spoke before, I just want to give a clear definition about pornography. Pornography is for consenting adults over the age of 18. And when I say consenting, that's all parties consenting. That's not one and not the other. It's all parties. And that is completely natural. When we bring anyone under the age of 18 into pornography, that is not considered pornography. Child pornography does not exist. Yeah, it's child sexual abuse material that is often a crime scene. It's a child or young person being raped, sodomized, tortured, sexually assaulted. So that is what, when the media refer to child porn, porn that is what they're referring to. Yeah. Child porn, as you said, Beverly, does not exist yeah. in any way, shape or form, even though that's what the media often refer to it as. And that's part of the language we just want to have clear. And that also comes in with sharing pictures of naked children. That comes under that area as well. So we need to get that clear and take some deep breaths, everybody listening, because this is an, it is important to get uncomfortable in the difficulty because it's the only way we'll get through this and be able to have a balanced conversation so that we can all negotiate what's right for us and for others around us. So going back to the article, Children's Commissioner, pornography, so this is any type of pornography on the internet, affecting eight-year-olds' behaviour. The behaviour of children as young as eight is being affected by them viewing pornography, the Children's Commissioner for England has said. So Dame Rachel D'Souza said that children are seeing pornography on social media and technology companies should be doing more to remove the images or videos. Schools need to improve education and parents need to set appropriate boundaries. Now, Dame Rachel has published a report on the influence of pornography on harmful sexual behaviour among children. So we expressed in our last podcast, didn't we, about peer-on-peer -peer, um, sexual abuse and exploitation um, exploding as a thing in its own right and what we may be and should be doing to help children navigate all of that. And this report goes on to say, at the most serious end, children were using the language of violent pornography and it was affecting their behaviour. And she was speaking to Radio 4's Today programme about this. She said, most children see porn first on Twitter and then on Snapchat, as well as accessing porn companies. She said, we need decent age verification and that the online safety bill needs to step up and make tech companies more accountable. She said, if you've got a social media site that allows 13 plus on, then they should not be able to see pornography. And it's up to the tech companies to be doing more about this. Um, and then she goes on to say how, how you know, um, these tech companies need to be doing more and that 
violent porn should not even be seen by any child of any age, child or young person of any age, and that adults, parents do not fully understand what their children are seeing, what their children are being allowed to see. That she's just saying that parents that think their children are going on to just view age appropriate material and that's just not the case um yeah so very interesting that more and more reports and articles are coming out sharing the same worries and concerns yet not enough is being done about it but hopefully with the online bill being strengthened it will tackle some of this damage that is being done for children and young people who, who are seeing this kind of violent porn that then they are, because they're not getting the education and the awareness from school maybe, or the educational setting, or from their parents, they're internalising that as being normal and natural. And yes. And this is when, as we were talking before we started recording, you know, it's a, it's a fine line in, in gaining that balance, isn't it? So when we look at traditional sex education at school, it has improved in some ways, but it's very much, you had the right words earlier when we were talking, and, you know, it's easy to talk about the act of sex. Mm-hmm. And we can, most people, not everyone, but most people can age appropriately talk about the act of sex regarding who they're speaking to. So yeah. if someone was four, I wouldn't be doing it in the same way as someone who's 12 or 14, mm-hmm. or even someone that was 10, because yeah. there's also, we need to be aware of the average age of young people or children exploring sexual behavior. Mm-hmm. And some of that is natural. Now, this is when it gets into a whole different world with you and me, because children naturally are born curious. They are learning. Yeah. They are learning about how to relate to each other. So that happens naturally with, and we're going to for today talk about the caregivers being the parents. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Any caregiver comes under the role of parental care today, and that's as far as we're going to go. But they're looking, you know, a baby will naturally start touching a parent's face, will be looking at their expression. But that's where the touch comes from. That's where the intimacy starts to build. Mm -hmm. But we tend to shy away from that word intimacy because, especially as survivors, I know. I've just recoiled, Bev, when you said that word. (laughs) And I felt myself doing it as well because we had our boundaries crossed over. Mine was from a very young age. So one of my caregivers crossed that line between intimacy and boundaries. Yeah. So after that, for me, intimacy was something that I identified with something I need to keep myself protected from. I need to disassociate from this. It's dirty, it's horrible, or I didn't know it was dirty so much. It just felt very wrong. My stomach, I can feel right now reacting in the way it did. I can feel lots of things happen physically. 
yeah, my throat being unable to say what I was feeling because A, I was too young to know how to verbalize and B, too young to actually know what was I was what it was I was feeling. So we need to be very aware of this because even though I had that personal experience, I do believe we also need to be able to speak to our children age related about intimacy and consent in a way that we enable our children, our young people going into adults to first learn about their own selves and their boundaries, but then also to be able to know that they can say no. And we've spoken about consent in a different way. The reason why I'm saying this is I'm going to now read out the other article that we spoke about. Before you do that, can we just touch upon if there's no abuse within the family at all? And um, sorry, if our listeners have never come across sexual abuse and they're just listening for the first time, can we talk about what it would look like in a just normal, natural family environment yes what so a child should be able to explore their body in their own way and most children will find some pleasure from doing that absolutely and thank you for because (laughs) I was going off in that trajectory that's because you're being a bit triggered that's why (laughs) and thank you for bringing me back and and this is where we're being very honest about it you know because it's no good pretending that this is an easy subject for anybody. So naturally, as we started to say, intimacy is through touch. It's also through kissing and it's also through snuggling. So as we get older as children, so when we become four, that snuggling and that kissing is normal. And natural between a parent and child and siblings. And another natural um, part is for children to to explore their own bodies, to be playing with themselves, to, you know, um, when they're relaxed, when a young boy is having a, a, a story read to him, to be maybe playing with his genitalia. That's natural. But also it's about being respectful and teaching not don't do that, it's dirty, there's the wrong message. You know, maybe do that another time, you know, in your, own, in your space, own space. In your own space, yeah. Mm. So you're, you're not stopping people, but it's also being aware because I had to be very aware, you had to be aware, very aware, a lot of survivors have to be very aware that we're not protracting our own experiences onto our children. And I say intentionally, but also unintentionally. Yeah. Because it is very easy to, to want to go, don't do that. But actually, no, that's not fair to our children. But we see it in young girls as well, you know, um, sometimes on settees or climbing ropes, etc. They're normal experiences. Okay. We see it like with the animals. themselves. Yeah. Like yeah. Loving, yeah, yeah. 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 Because we, there's a little bit of exploration and pleasure that they get from it. But the boundary is, Bev, isn't it? And we need to make that clear that that's the child exploring themselves. Yes. And that's fine. When the line is crossed, 
is when an adult may think, ah, okay, and then they do something to that child. That That is not okay. It's never okay. No. And there's also um, something that once I was told about this, you know, I'll be very honest. I I was like, so pleased you warned me. And that's why I'm very much like these conversations. Because when I was having my own support in my early days of recovery, you know, I was warned about my child, child might want to kiss me, but use a tongue. This is so normal. It's further exploration. Now, right. if I hadn't have known that, I would have yeah. reacted in a way that could have been detrimental. But because so I had that knowledge. That. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that is that's a natural extension. It's not saying that it's going to happen for every child, but some children will want to explore. They see it yeah. on TV. Yeah. Now, it's not that we want to stop it, but it's a different way of kissing, but not necessarily kissing with your friend or your your relatives. So natural, normal, where there's no abuse in the family and all the rest of it and no one's crossing any boundaries and stuff like that. That's fine. But you often hear, don't you, in different conversations like, you know, if you keep playing with that it's going to fall off you know people laugh it off and 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 that's fine you know that's a way of dealing with it but also you know when a child is um whatever age but as they grow up if they start then playing like games of doctors and nurses and what you know mum and dad and and then there's some peer-on-peer um exploration that just might be that absolutely However, if there's a bigger age gap, maybe, and no one said, no, this is the boundary. No, you can do it on yourself, but you shouldn't be doing it with other children and all of that. Then it might turn into actual peer on peer sexual abuse um, that is being, unfortunately, the word is perpetrated by one child or young person on a not consenting child or young person so it's out of the realms of exploration the as I said this is very gray areas here and you'll often find and I hear it a lot oh it's children being children but that should not be allowed to happen because each child will deal with it and take from it a different perspective and a different experience and this is where I talk about, you know, we come back to that consent and we come back to bullying because bullying is always when someone is using their power or their ability to manipulate someone. So if you're being bullied emotionally, physically, sexually, regardless of the age, that is wrong. If we, I believe that if we teach our children from a young age as we spoke about before about consent and boundaries and and we we focus on you know this is your body it's your choice we can do that in a way that allows education that allows conversation and when people are you know when children not people when children are exploring they can have that conversation with someone such as their parents no, but enabling also the parents to feel comfortable because 
when it comes to sex education, it isn't just about what the child learns at school. It's also about parents, ourselves, you know, any parent also finding ways, finding support for themselves so that they're able to have a conversation too. Yeah. Oh, my brain is going all over the place with this. Um, so I keep coming back to the words natural normal because that's the way that my brain deals with this without triggering me into other stuff. Um, but I, I can honestly say as a survivor, and I didn't know I was a survivor when I was a first time mum and growing up yeah. and that, um, I didn't recognise myself as such. I just knew that I'd gone through what I'd gone through. I knew um, anything to do with the word sex, intimacy, made me feel ashamed, made me feel dirty. And then obviously I tried not to put that onto my children, but the fact that I could only have a perfunctory, this is how babies are made. Like I spoke about the mechanics of it, um, egg, sperm, an act of sex mm. happens, a baby's made, could do all of that because it's biology. That's what we mm. learn in biology. But when it came to talk about I could talk about feelings of love and all the rest of that. That wasn't a problem. But it, the fact that, you know, if I saw a child, whether it be mine or someone else, if I was around another person's house and the child would be playing with themselves, I couldn't deal with that. That made me feel, ugh, that's just a step for me too far because it was a trigger for me. Yeah. And there's going to be lots of other survivors who do become parents that find themselves in the same situation, maybe with the same, oh, what do I do with this? How, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with my own stuff, yet not do what we've just explained to, you know, the child that's in front of us? Yeah, and and that, you've explained it very well, yeah, actually. That is, yeah, that is very, very hard. And I think also for me, what helped me immensely, and I'm going to be very honest here, I worked as a carer as well, very, very many years ago, um, a special needs hospital. And it was young people up to the age of 18 with the average ability of an 18 month oh, child. Wow. Okay. So you yeah. see what is natural and yeah. what is normal yeah. because they, they are exploring themselves in a way. And I'm not saying that it was never triggered, but it, it, it was a great learning for yeah. me to really see, whoa, how am I reacting to this? Yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah, it's not an easy subject. And again, touching upon all the stuff that we are discussing today, it's the same as um, going to medicals, yeah, whether it be a mm. mammogram, as a, a cervical smear, or a prostrate check for a gentleman, mm. a, a man. Um, those professionals have seen so many boobs, so many penises, so many vaginas, yeah? Um, so to them, it's just a job and it's just another body part. But for us that have gone through something, sexually, have been abused, violated, exploited, um, it's a different thing. It's a different feeling. It is, I don't want you to touch me. I don't want you to, to do it. I don't want you to do it. It's about us protecting ourselves Absolutely. and that's the trauma informed practice that needs to happen with professionals I think and Abs many don't have that no and I, I want to add a caveat to that 
because the other thing is for children that haven't been abused as well what happens mm-hmm. in that world when they um present and we're talking particularly say young girls for a minute so when a, a young girl is getting say thrush or urine infections the next thing that happens a lot and has done traditionally is they start doing internal examinations now mm. i understand the physical reason for it but they do it they have been doing those internal examinations with no conversation and yeah. that in itself is a trauma it is mm. you are doing an internal examination to a young child without giving them choice or consent you're not asking the child's consent and that is important we understand they can't give legal consent understand that completely but at least talk to them give them time to think about this give them support because that's that to them as well is abuse mm. wow okay i think we need to bring this back to the article that you're going to share with yeah. everybody now yeah, but I just wanted to add that caveat. I know, because... there's so many layers to this and it can yeah. fire off in all kinds of different and that topics actually, of conversation. Yes. So that comes back to our, you know, teaching our children that they have, yeah. you know, they have the freedom to explore their own body. Yes. But there's also boundaries and they have permission to say what's comfortable and what's not. So that's what it, we're looking at. It comes yeah. back to that body autonomy that we want to to instill in everybody. They have yes. autonomy over their own body. Yeah. And then yeah. they can put the boundaries in place and the consent in place to stop anything potentially harmful happening to themselves. But it's not their responsibility. We know that we've shared that so many times before. It's the perpetrator's fault always if anything does happen. But instilling in young people children and young people this body autonomy and the consent will hopefully keep them safe from harm yeah and I'd like to add one other part of that the reason for this as well is going into adulthood because Mm -hmm. just because we can become adults does not mean to say that we learn to understand our body and the boundaries personal boundaries and and I know the challenges of being able to say, I don't want to make love tonight, for instance. You know, how many people, men and women, don't have those words? And I have been in that place in the past. That's not because I was being abused by someone. I just didn't know how to have that voice. So we're talking about it so we can learn here, but it very much goes into adulthood as well. And it's really important, isn't it, to be able to say no whatever the situation, whether you're in a loving relationship or not, to say no and have it respected and and then build that proper relationship that is a healthy relationship. Um, Yeah, lots to think about. Absolutely. So let's go back to this article that I'm going to read. Now, I'm very aware that we're reading and we're going to put the links to the articles as well so anybody watching this or listening to this who wants to read the whole of the article um you'll have it and also we want you know this is can be referenced so we want to make sure so there's been a 68 page report standards for sexuality education in europe 
that was first published in 2010 and campaign groups are concerned about the sexualization of very young children and they want it banned for fear of influencing official sexual sex education policy. Now I find that quite interesting in that part first of all because we've got sex education which personally I understand to be the act of sex and the and biology got, of all and of the that. biology and then we've got sexuality education mm -hmm. is that the same or is it separate so for me it means biological sex which is scientific and cannot be changed in my opinion yeah. and then there's gender yeah and gender is a social construct and it's more about the smashing the gender stereotypes not adhering to male or female stereotypes and you picking and choosing how you feel yeah. does that make sense uh, clear to me so in um it continues in this article and it says the document was also cited in a report consulted by welsh ministers who last year introduced a mandatory sexual education syllabus to schools in wales although the Welsh government stressed it did not endorse the WHO guidance. And the WHO guidance is the World Health Organisation guidance. And what were they saying, the WHO, Bev? Well, it was commenting on sexuality education. The Alliance recently warned, we find it extremely concerning that the UN and WHO are promoting an approach that is experimental unscientific and appears to be aligned to the work of unethical individuals and organizations, including those promoting the acceptance of paedophilia. We call upon them to revise their standards to align with a safeguarding first approach that protects children while allowing them to develop a healthy and age appropriate understanding of sex. So what's interesting for me before I continue again, we've got another connotation here of the word um, sexuality, sexual and sex. OK, so it's three different concepts there of one word. And I pull that out because when we're reading an article that's written in a newspaper, I think it's very important to be able to look at both sides of that and really break it down. A WHO spokesman stand, said it stands by its guidance. Our guidelines reflect established psychological facts based on de decades of research. The document asserts that children embark on sexual education from birth, which is something that we mentioned earlier. It reads from birth, babies learn the value and pleasure of bodily contact, warmth and intimacy. Soon after that, they learn what is clean and what is dirty, adding, in other words, they are engaging in sexuality education. The government spokesman said the government does not recognise this WHO guidance and we don't agree with its recommendations. We have not distributed or promoted it to schools. We offer our own guidance to help schools to teach children and young people about relationships and health. And it says the article has been amended to make clear that WHO report was cited in a document consulted by Welsh ministers rather than consulted directly by the ministers. So the actual WHO report, I think, would be very important to look at, and we'll put that link in. But from what 
yeah. sorry. So what the who was sort of like, um, or what's been shared on social media is that a video that the who had put together and it was a professional talking to a young child about masturbation and self-pleasuring. And that to me was a massive no-no for me personally. And it's reflected by many other people, parents and other people within society that don't agree with that detailed kind of education and awareness for such young children age three and four and this is what we always talk about age appropriate and also safeguarding yeah big so for me what that video flagged up was that a professional was speaking to a three or four year old about their body parts haven't got a problem with that okay but age appropriate but also about masturbation, what's to stop any professional, if they got the go-ahead, the green light, any professional giving that child that education and then overstepping the boundary and then child sexual abuse happening, child sexual exploitation happening. It is just, where is the safeguarding in all of this? So the one-on-one, and for me, without seeing the video, and I can say I haven't seen the video, for me, that three-year-old or four-year-old being on a video that's been circulated. Yeah, yeah. Where's yeah. their consent and their safety? And, and I wrote on a comment against this video and I just said, like, perpetrators that are perpetrators, they're sexual offenders, the ones that are already doing it, thinking about it and are going to do it. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine them walking into a room where an act that is natural, normal for children to be doing and they're like, and and this is the the thinking that these people have that are perpetrators. Oh, she's turning me on. He's turning me on. Okay. And then just victim blaming the child for then the crimes that they're committing. And people might think, oh, my God, Chris, you're, you're just going, like, That's off the charts now happens. with that. But this is what actually happens. Oh, she was wearing a short skirt. Oh, she was dancing provocatively in front of me. This is what the perpetrators actually say. That yeah. is why they committed their crime, okay? Yeah. So can you imagine all of these children nationwide, if this ever took off, nationwide, having this education and having this awareness, thinking that they're going to be safe to do it within their home environment or whatever extended family environment. And then these perpetrators going, it's like almost an open door policy for them to just do what they want to do. And this is where the one, like, ah. one, so the one-on-one for me, and I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing with you because I hear you and I'm acknowledging that. Yeah, the one-on-one for me is the red flag, the huge yeah. red flag. Doing it in a group so that there is safeguarding is fundamental. Is but fundamental. Just too young, don't. Yes, but there's also finding a language, and I do believe, as scary as it is, we find a language and a way of speaking. Yeah. That, as in that 
it's okay to open a conversation so that they can ask questions. So like I said, so um, if you're reading to a child that's playing with themselves and you're reading a book to them and they're playing themselves, that for me is a trigger. However, maybe not now, later on when you're in bed. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're not stopping, you're enabling, but you're making it age related. And, and you're just allowing that child to do natural and normal things. And but, learn. But by yourself, in your safe environment, your own body autonomy, your own consent in your own safe space, not in front of anybody else. And no one else is allowed to get involved because that's outside of the boundary. Yeah. And you want, might not say all of that all in the same no, no, time. No, no, but, but I want to get it across. <laughs> Yeah, to everybody yeah. listening <laughs> and I'm sure we've got people listening that have got loads they want to say so I'm very aware of time so bring it on yeah please do because one thing we would like is um, for you to feed back and you can feed back your thoughts any questions, anything further that you'd like us to explore, um, you can contact us in several different ways. Um, breaking the cycle to step forward at gmail.com. That's our email address. We have a Facebook page, Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward. We're also on Instagram. And you can find us through both of uh, own websites which is survivors of abuse sob which is a charity that chris is a founder of or the step forward practice where you'll see uh, me as well so there's lots of different ways you can find us through youtube you can find us on most podcast platforms and you can find us on mint wave radio <laughs> so there's lots no of different excuses. ways no you can follow us and contact us through most of the apps as well. So please feedback to us. We do respect that other people have different opinions and we want to hear them. Yeah. Um, we do appreciate them coming through in a respectful way, though. We are human yeah. beings and we are just trying to open a conversation that we appreciate is very challenging. It's uncomfortable. We've been very honest in us sharing that it's uncomfortable and you know what it's important that we have this because unless we find a way to open this conversation how are we ever going to expect our children to have that acknowledgement of themselves and to learn what is right for them and to be able to voice it and you know what Bev what I would really love is a professional in sex education or sexual relationships, whatever they're an expert in, to come on and maybe challenge some of what we've said so that we can really have a really in-depth conversation, but they will bring the in-depth knowledge and the history and whatever, and then we can just go, well, okay, let's unpick all of this. We yeah. hear you, but this is our side from our yeah. personal perspectives, from being survivors and being parents. Yeah. Um, and in that sexual educator, I, it would be good if it's a sexual educator of children from different yeah. ages, people yeah. that are on the front line yeah. who are in their place so we can hear their thoughts. Because Absolutely. also, 
who are we who in the schools is educating the children and also educating the parents because I do believe it has to be full circle yeah and I'd never ever got invited to any of the schools that my kids went to uh, for a parent education sex education and what should be spoken about and maybe what shouldn't and what was age appropriate never ever had that did you Oh, well, I did because I made myself ah. busy. <laughs> so oh, okay. also, I, I I was an ambassador for a young cha- um, a young out of school charity um, okay. in Bromley. So I knew about, for instance, that there was there's a C card that um, young adults have access to condoms, etc. Um, within schools, out of schools, and very much about the pill and things like that of being available to young people but some of that comes from my own experience from being in care anyway so I had access to it so I wanted to find out what was happening so I'm not going to embarrass the child but um one of my children and some of their friends have asked me some questions you know where can we access this or my girlfriend's in trouble what can we do does what mean so yeah no I made myself um, I chose to be informed, let's just put it like that. So I asked the questions to enable as much as I could. Someone's knocking at the door, it's time to go. Thank you very much, everybody, and see you another time. Bye-bye. 